Welcome to episode 488 of the Pop Culture Roundtable, the podcast that's getting hollier and jollier by the minute. In this episode, we talk about 1960s brand mascots, 1960s video games, and 1960s number one television shows. I'm Andrew Sale. I'm Lauren Rubin. I'm Patrick Hill. So get your stockings hung by the chimenea with care, because it's time to jump into a new episode. We like to kick off every episode by going around the table, which is where we talk about things that are new, fun, and noteworthy about our weeks. Patrick, you look so excited. Why don't you tell us about your week? Oh, man. Thanksgiving. Was, I know. We had Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving. Uh, two things. One, uh, spatchcocking a turkey is the way to go. Cut out the spine, break the breastbone, flatten it out. Turned out great. My wife is Mrs. Thanksgiving. Um, <laughs> and I will send, it sounds weird, I'll send you a picture. I just want to, she, she has like a, 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 what do you call the, an, an apron. apron. An apron. I can't think of the word apron. She's like an apron and a turkey and it, she looks like she's out of like an advertisement in some like old magazine. From the 1960s? Oh, so from the 1960s. Yeah. Uh, it's, I, I. She does look like she's from better, like from uh, like better home and gardens, like, uh, thanksgiving issue or something absolutely but i'm yeah. standing behind her as though i'm about to like i don't know like assassinate somebody like i've got this weird oh, like, you're about sign- to destroy that turkey <laughs> um <laughs> spatchcock for what that's what you were saying yeah, yeah. oh look she's she miss uh miss thanksgiving's here so anyway um so that i mean it was fun like I, i'm very i'm very proud of all, all that stuff of having a wife um, the I did <laughs> potatoes. Very proud of having a wife. <laughs> I well, it's did not like potatoes. He could <laughs> Listen, I'm gonna say, I thought that was. I just felt like it was a, a very direct. Eighteen-year-old me, twenty-two-year-old me, twenty-five-year-old me. They all weren't sure it was going to happen. So, uh, <laughs> honestly, thirty-five-year-old me wasn't sure it was going to happen for you. <laughs> But uh, also, made, and that was uh, three years after you had been married. <laughs> I know, I know. Uh, also, made some other stuff. It just wasn't worth the effort. So Thanksgiving was fine. Uh, I did find that one of the people that I was that was at our house for like literally twelve hours that day tested positive for COVID yesterday. <laughs> so, Yay, uh, fun! It's, it's fine. I just had it, so what's likely to getting it again? Um, well, just test yourself. <laughs> but I did. I, I so today is Cyber Monday, so we just had uh, all the Black Friday sales. We had the Cyber Monday sales. Not a lot of good stuff. I mean, I, I kept checking like Camel, 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 Slick Deals. I, I have certain subreddits I check, seeing what New Egg was doing. Like, I did not see anything that just really got me excited. Except for one item. And I already sent this item uh, to Andrew, but I do want to share this with all with all of you. And this is this is probably the thing I was most um, I don't want to say I almost purchased it because I think that's a little strong. But uh, I did stop and take it's at a, least a, a second. It's at least look. a little excessive. Yeah. <laughs> so what what I found and Andrew, if you're able to get this uh, link on screen, that'd be great. Uh, Gabe, you jumped in at an interesting time. Um, I found <laughs> I found this uh, Black Friday slash Cyber Monday deal for 275 gallons of sex lube. And for only 
$3,969. That's only 11 cents an ounce. This deal is incredible. Now, oh this, my God. This is 275 gallon sex lube for men, women, and couples, free of parabens, glycerin, silicon, and oil. Uh, so it's water based. That's good. So um, you could just basically use this container as a tub later. Yeah, no, <laughs> check out some of the things you can do. This is one. <laughs> You could use it as a uh, a weight sled for uh, because no one's workouts. actually going to use this much lube ever. This this <laughs> one's pretty great. Skydiving with <laughs> a hundred and seventy five gallon uh, tub of lube that says hashtag lube life on the front of it. Uh, and don't forget fishing. You could always fish up a giant because it's water. It's water soluble. <laughs> it's so. Oh this is so God. ridiculous. Now, if you want to order this, again, 11 cents an ounce, there's only one left in stock. There's right, probably only so. one that ever existed. Yes, but there's also only one <laughs> left in <laughs> stock. So just everybody keep that in mind uh, if you want They're to They're like, own, we've just got to sell the one, you guys. <laughs> if you want to own sex lube. Okay, so that's it for me. That's my category. Uh, Lauren, did you find any good deals? I couldn't find anything even half as interesting as that, unfortunately. Uh, I I tried to see if like A24 had reopened their like auction website and th- they have been closed for a long time. So I got I got no competition with the uh, 275 gallons of sex lube. <laughs> fair, fair. Yeah. It's hard to compete with that, though, to be to be honest. Uh, so other than Thanksgiving, which for me this year was like extremely chill, I'm usually the person who like plans all the the all of the meal and is in charge of all of that. This year I made desserts. <laughs> so it was like way easier. I made everything the day beforehand and just like relaxed. Uh, the new thing that I tried making that I really liked was pumpkin ice cream. Uh, and it was a really easy recipe actually. So I will share it with everyone because I was really surprised how easy it was and how good it turned out. And uh, I love everything pumpkin. So don't let it go away just because it's Christmas. <laughs> yep. Uh, other than that, I I guess like I, I went to the movies once. I was really hoping to go more because there's like a million good things out right now. Uh, but the movie that I went to go see was Wakanda Forever. Got to got to see that one before it gets spoiled. Uh, and I will not have any spoilers here, promise. Um, it, even though it's been a couple weeks now, but um, th- it was pretty good. I'd say it was probably my my second favorite Marvel movie in Phase Four, unless you want to count the TV shows. And then I would put Loki above this. Um, okay. I thought it like and far no way home would be like my my number one of phase four. Um, Did you think it was slow or like drug out at places? Uh, I never thought it was slow, but I do think at the end of the movie there was too much stuff crammed in there. I think there are two storylines that could have easily been chopped out of this film with no problem, and may have even been added in at the last minute if you kind of uh, sure. like if. if like I think that's the way to view it for sure. And then like, um, so like I think you could have cut those stuff, made the movie half hour shorter, and a lot of people would have been more happy because like my friends warned me that they thought it was long, also, and I didn't think it was long because they're trying to say a lot of stuff. Yeah. <laughs> like there's a lot of characters, there's a lot of things they want to talk about, there's a lot of new stuff they want to introduce. So like I never thought like it felt boring. I just felt like there was a lot of stuff that was in there at the end of the day where I'm like could have been a lot cleaner if you just took few few extra things off of the cake you know what i mean yeah absolutely yeah. i mean i that's uh that's maybe the only negative thing i've heard from the circle i'm around i have not seen it yet mm-hmm. um but i've heard probably 
90% positive things. And then I've heard the complaint that uh, it's a bit bloated. Yeah, I think it's like a, a pretty good, a pretty solid Marvel movie for sure. Like it's Ooh. it's a good ending to this this phase. I think like the introduction of Namor is just great, and that guy is going to be like a that. huge movie star. Like he's so great. So I, I'm super excited to have like such a cool new character in the MCU and all that. So like that stuff, a plus, just a little too much extra in this yeah, movie. Fair. And I and I think like hats off to like how they handled all the Chadwick Boseman of it all because like that had to be so difficult to like plan around and I think that they handled it really tastefully and it didn't feel like too much or like awkward at all like I think that was like just bravo on how how they managed to do that like dodge that one you know um, but yeah definitely go check that one out I know there's a million movies right now to go see and that one will be on Disney Plus before very. Before very long, I'm surprised because Kreider says that he doesn't agree about Namor, but uh, you'll be like the one person in the world who didn't love him. Like, <laughs> like I thought he was great. Um, and then the other, like, we had another Marvel drop this week, which is the Guardians Holiday Special, which I like went to check out right away. I oh, cannot I believe that it came out yet. so quick. Yeah, it dropped on Friday, which they like. I forgot they like kind of like dropped that like um, little preview for it like last week, and then it's like on Disney Plus right away, which I guess is their new strategy because they did the same thing with that that um, weird Ghibli collaboration that we haven't really talked about, but that was just kind of like so meh. I didn't really even think it was worth, worth talking, talking about. about. Yeah, not. it was like an animation test that they really, really hyped up. Um, but uh, the Guardian special was super, super, super fun. Uh, I, I was like a little trepidatious because like I remember it one, like it, first of all, we've heard about this thing since 2017 when Guardians of the Galaxy 2 was about to come out. So like, it's been hyped up for a really long time. And I remember at one point, James Gunn was saying like, it was going to be really, really important to the, like the Marvel universe. And like, you're going to have to see this to like see volume three. That is not at all what this turned out to be. It's a very cute, very silly thing. There's like one piece of information that's like important going forward, but like, it's something that you could literally have a line of dialogue, explain it to you and then like move on in the movie. Um, so like, I, I think it was like a fun way to call out that, that little moment, but it was like, it's not like, oh, if you don't see this, you can't understand what's going on at all. Like it is very easy to understand if you did not watch this, but it is totally worth watching. It's super cute. Um, it's kind of like the second Marvel holiday special. It's about 90 minutes, I think. And like, it's done like, <clears throat> excuse me, they did with werewolf by night, like just a great little warm and fuzzy Christmas special like made me just smile the whole time watching it and it's it's really great <laughs> let me ask you far too big of a question what do you think uh so assuming that people are feeling well they are uh people are feeling uh superhero fatigue what do you think fixes that or helps curb that does it require telling different stories does it require uh n- new variety um or like pushing into different genres or or bringing in different casts of characters or does it require pressing pause for two years and then coming back i mean what what do you see as uh, what would get you excited about these things again because i saw that the christmas special was on there while i was looking for something to watch like i was actively Mm -hmm. kind of bored wanting to watch something And as much as I loved the first Guardians film, as much as I could, like, just could not wait to see the second Guardians film, getting all the way to this point, I, I still did. I still chose not to watch it, and I have no desire to go watch it. You saw Thor. You saw Thor: Love and Thunder. Yes. Right. Okay. 
So you did get some guardians. You got some of your guardians. I guess. I mean, for, scratched for me, like guardians is the one exception where like whatever they're in, I always want to see because they're like my favorite of the superhero stuff that Marvel has. So like that's part of the reason for me that I was so excited about it. But I think like I like I get the I get all the complaints with the fatigue. Like I don't think I maybe have it as bad as other people, but um, I, I get where everyone is coming from. Like a lot of these are super formulaic. I think like a little bit of. All of those things would help, except the idea of taking the two-year break, because, like, that'll just, like, lose all the momentum. Like, I don't know what that would really do. Like, two years is a long time. And then I think there's already, like, a problem now where, like, with the Marvel stuff, when you get the, like, teasers at the end, it's like, uh, okay, that looks cool. I'm, I'm, I could be excited for this. But then you won't actually have anything from that for potentially five years. Like, Guardians, like, the last one came out in 2017, and I'm like it's been a while you guys like it's been a really long time since like we we've had that and so like I feel like all the momentum that they had has really crashed and like all even the actors are all like doing different things now because this didn't like keep the momentum you know of that franchise and now it's tough because they have so many characters grouped together and they have to keep everyone's schedule but like I I don't think that we lost momentum waiting two years between seasons of Game of Thrones. Oh my God. That's what, that was like the worst. That was awful. That, that definitely killed a huge amount of momentum. I couldn't disagree more. (laughs) Interesting because within the groups I was in, I didn't see that the show itself killed a lot of momentum, but no, I think I really felt like this is frustrating, especially since the other seasons had come out so regularly and like pushing it like a year. And it was also for less stuff. (laughs) Like it was for way less. So I, to me, it was like a huge like buzzkill that it was like, not only do you have to wait two years for less stuff and it's bad, like this, this it was just like not good. But we're just talking about getting what, th- th- how many movies a year now? Like three movies I, a I year? I can't even keep track. Year, and I was and surprised when I looked at four what was shows on. a year or yeah. whatever it is. It's, it's, there's so much content at this point and it's opened up so to so many areas that. At one point, you feel this like thing of, oh, I can keep up. I can watch it all. I can keep track of what's going on. I need to keep track of what's going on. I don't want to feel out of the loop. And then at a certain point, it's either because it's such deep cuts or because we have so many threads open or because the sheer volume of content, you just go, ah, eh, I just, I cannot keep up anymore. And so now because I'm behind, I don't care to like catch back up. I mean, it's it's kind of like my toy collecting, right? Like I, or, or, <laughs> Andrew probably can even better describe this. I've, I've got to have all four turtles. I've got to have all four turtles. I've got to have all four turtles. And then one day you only buy two turtles and then you never buy all four again because you broke that <laughs> habit. And I just feel like... Or you just don't of, buy any turtles anymore. Or any turtles. <laughs> and I, I feel like the amount of content has forced people to break the habit. And I, I don't know how you get fair. it back. Yeah. I don't know either because maybe it is like a bit too many things all in one bucket and like, yeah, because like this is all just Marvel stuff that you're talking about. It's not even like and DC and all the TV shows that are going on otherwise, you know, like, (laughs) but there's just like a bajillion like superhero things in the universe right now, you know, so like. I, I understand. I don't know why I haven't totally gotten sick of it yet, but um, (laughs) I guess it's just just fun. I think ultimately you just got to have less of it. I think less it would be better because it's just yeah. it does feel like a lot right now and and even if you're thinking of like just what Disney has control of it's like there's how many Marvel shows coming out how many Star Wars shows how many like now, movies and other things like there's a lot of just those two buckets. I will say, Black Panther: Wakanda Forever did a good job of breaking the 
the stereotypical superhero movie like tropes. It, there was definitely some action, most but of, it was primarily it, it was yeah. primarily it was primarily a story driven movie. The action mm-hmm. was secondary to it, as opposed to the typical superhero stuff where it's action first and then the story is kind of second. I do feel like it. they worked all of the fighting into the story a lot better than they have in the past. Like for yeah, sure. Yeah, like like it, 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 and the fights were really support, exciting. And like, the story. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It supported the story. It wasn't like here, we're going to do all these big fight scenes and let's write a couple of points of story to happen in between. Yes. This was this story was first. The, mm-hmm. the action supported the story. And, and I think in that way, uh, that that kept it from from feeling like superhero f- fatigue for me. I just think As also like to- you can break the formula that they've been doing very easily, and I I don't know why they're so bound to it, especially after they trash themselves over it in She Hulk. Like, <laughs> I think we'll see some changes because of that. I think we'll, I think we will see some different things. As long yeah. as they're, I mean. I mean, as long as, long as uh, not that they're going to have a billion dollar film again anytime soon, but as long as they're making 600 million, 700 million, whatever, whatever the numbers are they're bringing home, like what's the incentive to change the formula? Because what you're doing is just kind of, it's printing money. Like that machine is still growing, um, but it's at some point uh, it's not going to. And I think it's, I think it's getting to the, the top of that arc right now. It's getting to I the think, point where something's going to have to change. Yeah, I, I think that's why I think that's why they poked fun at it in She-Hulk, and I think that will be. I think but we I th- are at the pinnacle yeah. of, of that turning point because I don't think they would make that joke publicly about themselves and then not do something about it. I sure hope not because it's like you can't just call the thing out and expect that that's good enough. Like you have to actually like make that change, then not just yeah. make fun of yourself for it. Like, yeah. <laughs> I mean, Star Wars. May have done the better thing by postponing putting out more movies. I mean, coming off of the kind of last trilogy we got. Now, in fairness, it was, <laughs> it was received. Uh, the drop off was very sudden in, in terms of like reception from audiences. It seemed to lose steam pretty fast. But because of that, they recognized that, and so they paused uh, plans to uh, roll into their next story as quickly, at least in movie form. And I think that's that's going to end up serving them very well. Uh, I just wonder if Marvel, at some point, is is willing uh, to do that because well, it also like feels digestible to keep up with Star Wars at this point. It's like two shows a year and no movies right now. It may be some cartoons, which people definitely feel a lot more comfortable skipping and you can and are skippable I think if you don't want to watch them. And I also think that they really opened the doors for themselves by doing Andor which was a in some ways more grown-up version of a Star Wars thing that felt very different and it didn't stick to their normal ideas or even really like honestly anybody could watch this even if you haven't paid attention to Star Wars because it's not that tied into the history stuff that people complain about. So it's like maybe things like that where it's a little more freeform would be more refreshing in the Marvel universe where you don't need to like have six tie-ins and can just have like one person to focus on. Yeah. Yeah. I think that might help too. Okay. Is that just me? Am I the last, Mm -hmm. the last boy in the, the uh, last boy, last boy in the schoolyard? (laughs) Some would say the only. Um, all right. So you sounded like the Jetsons spacecraft. Just think you do it again. Loved it. Um, couple things that I want to talk about. Um, I we we did Disney again for Thanksgiving. We went back to the park and it was pretty rad. The the numbers were slightly slightly elevated from what they were like during the pandemic, but they were far further down um, than uh, 
than they would normally be like on any other day. So it was it was really nice. We did Animal Kingdom in the morning, and then we we finished the day out at uh, Magic Kingdom and did pretty much everything that we wanted to do. Um, and the weather was fantastic. Uh, but a couple things I want to show you that I got. Um, what do I want to show you first? So they have these blind boxes now that are, um, that are, they have these 50 statues, you know, like the, it's the 50th anniversary of Walt Disney world. Yeah. And they have these, they have these golden statues all over the, the different parks. Um, and they have these blind boxes that they, that they're releasing. There's 10 in each, uh, set series one and two have come out so far. Um, so I got one from series one, one from series two to see what I would get. And then I got, so I got this guy, I got Simba. Yeah. Oh, very cute. The little golden here. Let's go. Let's go full screen. The little golden boy. Here That's we cute. go. Boom. So we've oh, got uh, a tiny little Simba, right? And then we've got uh, the one who started it all, ladies and gentlemen. I managed to pull Mickey Mouse, which is the one that That's I wanted. That's lucky. So uh, pretty, pretty stoked about that. So Mickey are there Mouse. rarities assigned to these or is it just like 10% chance? That's a good question. I don't. I don't know. I um, haven't dug deep into them. Okay. You said there's like fifty different ones. There 10 will per be series, so twenty right now. Oh, sorry. There's twenty out right now. Um, so I did actually find out that there's there are fifty characters, but there are actually only thirty six or thirty eight statues because some statues have two characters on them. Like one has Buddy, oh. or Buddy has Woody and, um, and Bo Buzz Peep. Or something. Oh, okay. Has yeah, Woody yeah. and Bo Peep. Uh, there's the um, are they kissing? Yeah, they're kissing. Yeah, they're making out. It's nice. good. It's very good. While we were at Animal Kingdom, they have this uh, in Rafiki's like conservatory island or whatever it is. You can take this train over to this area that's just this special area that you can only get to by taking this this train. And um, they have the animation experience over there. So every 45 minutes, you can draw a different character with a Disney uh, artist. And they walk you through it. So we sat, and because of Zootopia Plus having come out, they did um, the Zootopia character, so we did uh, Judy Hops. Yeah, that's oh, great. Which was fun, and then we did um, Nick Wild. Oh, nice! How many people <laughs> were drawing at the at this point? Uh, oh gosh, probably fifty. And you would say the oldest person was probably like twelve, and you were there. Yeah, I, I, and afterwards, I made sure everyone lined up so we could um, compare. Nice. <laughs> uh, no, there were uh, there were. There's there's all ages and sizes and races and creeds uh, come to the land to draw. It's super fun. It's it's a really cool thing. And I actually asked the guy how he got into that, and he said literally he was just working one of the attractions, and then once you're in, like once you're under the umbrella of the mouse, all he had to do was just submit his portfolio, and then they just ran a couple tests to make sure that he could talk, like that he could train people while he was doing the drawing. I'm like, right, right, right. I can do this. <laughs> <laughs> I, I could totally do that. So um, there was nothing special about it. He just was, he was just uh, operating one of the attractions and submitted his portfolio and then got the job. He's been doing it for over 15 years now. Oh, so, wow. Um, you're going to have to bring me back because I have one more thing to show. No. Um, okay. Yeah. So I got, you, you may have been seeing me drink out of this glass, but I've been intentionally trying to keep it hidden. Um, <laughs> a little, a little hidden Mickey, but uh, they have these wonderful Christmas, uh, glass set. So I've been drinking my uh, Dr. Really Pepper cute. Zero, uh, not sponsored. And then they also have Goofy and oh, those are nice. Minnie Mouse and Pluto to complete the full set. You can throw that one away. Here's the thing: Will you bring me one of those? 
Uh, I'm going to bring two of them home, and Becca's going to keep two of them here. So you'll no, get to I'm, I'm just asking for you to buy a set. I'll pay you back. Oh, that could happen if I weren't leaving at 7 o'clock in the morning. Okay, Becca, if you but, could just leave now. Head over please there. Please go pick this up for him. <laughs> She's going to hear that in about 30 seconds. <laughs> <laughs> she just heard it. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> um, we can make sure you get a set because I think she may have to go back and get them exchanged because I did find a little chip in one of them just now while we were, oh, no. while we were recording. And that's so, not the character from the red. Yeah, the <laughs> I found the chip <laughs> and the jail. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I thought you meant the little teacup like that is broken. <laughs> um, I guess you could have taken that in any direction. So anyway, yeah. now you can take me back off a of full screen. But some really cute, like the Christmas stuff they have at Disney uh, this season. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> is that is that what you wanted? Yes. Just so you know, I'm most comfortable at full screen. So buckle up, Buttercup. <laughs> um, I uh, I'm I'm really happy with like the the Christmas stuff they have this year. If if I could afford it, I would just have all. Like I'm not super into like Christmas decorating, but this year the stuff that they have, I would totally do it. So yeah. um, there you go. That's that's my update. I think we're gonna have a. We all saw the glass onion. We are gonna talk about it, but not tonight. Because we're going to do a, an extended conversation about it. So yeah, absolutely. Um, because in the, uh, and the reason we're going to is because there's some uh, disagreement amongst us, and we have to fight it out in the octagon. So we're going to rename after the film to just something about an octagon, and probably uh, just the octagon with Patrick. That's probably taken. Yeah. So <laughs> we'll figure it out. Uh, but then we're going to fight about it. But yeah, that's it. That's that's it for my week. Uh, I go back to Texas in the morning and uh, get back into my, my normal yeah. swing of things. So next time you see me, I'll be my team filled up. We haven't talked about the trivia teams. Come on, guys. Oh, we did. We're going to. That's going to be on the second half of this show. Okay. It's Great. all planned. It's all in a plan, everybody. We got it planned. So just get us out of here and then we can go talk about it. That was my Spider-Man transition. So I assume you're going to add in post me shooting webs at the screen to transition us to the next part. Yep, we'll do. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that's going to be a four-hour around the table up next. We're going to talk about some master categories. Every week we talk about the dice we rolled the week before. That gives us our categories. We pick our topics based on those categories. This time we did something a little bit different. We got TV, marketing, and... Inventions, right? Art. Technology. technology, technology, TV, art, art, TV, technology. I knew mine. <laughs> I had mine locked in, Didn't and we it. decided we decided it would be fun for some reason to pick a decade, and then we picked the '60s again for some reason um, for us all talks. We all had to play in tonight, so we're we're bringing the 1960s at you, and Lauren's going to kick us off with her 1960s art. Nope. Technology. <laughs> this is definitely technology. No quotes needed. <laughs> um, so take it away, Lauren. All righty. Uh, so I am going to talk about the origin of video games. And so probably what most people think of, at least I did before I read about this, uh, when you think of what are the first video games, uh, you would think of the Atari or Pong. Um, and that is what I thought. But actually, those guys got sued by this guy that I'm about to talk about because they ripped him off. <laughs> Get him. Yes, it was a cool story. So the original... 
the original like father of video games. This guy has won like Alfonso. many awards, uh, you know, like and he has won like had many contributions to video games. His name is Ralph Bear, and he's he's just a cool guy. Like he uh, served in World War II, and after he came back, he decided to um, work in an electronics place and learn. And was like really like he was like. Could, like conceived of like what video games could be. He wanted to invent a game that you could play on your television screen. And like throughout the 60s, he developed like a lot of different prototypes to kind of get to something that was like much closer to the um like what like what we would think of when we're getting closer to like a video game console. And eventually the thing that it like uh rounded out in was this thing called the brown box. So this thing looks super weird and nothing like we really think of with video games. And then these cards kind of like have these little dots on them and that would denote if you would like flip these up or down and that would kind of switch it between whatever game you were going to play. No. <laughs> so it's like yeah. extremely, extremely rudimentary. Um, and then eventually they upgraded it um, into this guy, which is the first like actual um, version of a video game console really. And if you look carefully, you can actually see down here, these are... Um, like film, like um, printed, like on film, little things that you put on top of your screen to be able to play the game. Ah, <laughs> so the the only thing that the game is actually like this this thing is actually producing is a two dots that are um, and one like line and those can move and that's the only thing it can produce. So then they figured out to overlay all of these different things so you could play the different games on it, which is pretty cool. Wow. Like you can see here in like this, like the everything that's in color would be the like screen that's overlaid. Like these things down <clears throat> here are the screens that you see. Do you know if the dots wow. like like the collision changed? So like in the case of like what we're looking at now, the overlay is hockey. So you see two nets on either side of the screen you see, um, you know, some of the markings on the ice, and then you see. Uh, I don't, I don't play hockey, so you see some other stuff that I'm sure someone has a name for. Uh, and the I'm just wondering, like the whipbacks. Could, yeah. Do you know if like you could score a goal if it hit the center? Like, would it keep, would it keep track of score? Is what um, I'm trying to say, or is it just okay? Yeah, you so, control the dot around a screen, and it was always the same, and nothing changed. So it, there were some physics built into how the dot would move around and everything, but it was not able to have any audio or keep score. So you had to keep your own score separately. Okay, perfect. Yeah, <laughs> but there is amazing. something like I was reading, like on um, someone was explaining how you play, and you can kind of see those dials that they have on the side that could make your like player like twist around, so you can do like a trick shot. You know, <laughs> wow. Um, so there was like some strategy to it. It was a little more like advanced with the physics of the ball moving every time, but like some were based on math and other things. So like changing how the the um, game was like aligned with the different cartridges. Like you can see in this picture, like there are all these little pins in there, and they're kind of doing what that yeah. thing I was showing before did. Um, <clears throat> and uh, that is how you play this very weird old video game console. Um, it had 28 games when it originally started, uh, 28 different like games you could play on it if you bought all the different cartridges. And um, this guy, Ralph Bear, who invented this thing, also was the one who invented like the um, kind of like gun that you can shoot at like the video game screen, you know, like in um, Duck Hunt or something like that. So you could buy one separately, and then that was like a separate uh, group of games as well. So it's actually like fairly advanced for like what you think of for like 1968. <laughs> yeah, it's interesting it because most of us think of something like an Atari 2600 as kind of being. I'm not saying we think of this correctly, but a lot of us think of that as being like, oh, that's the the first the game console, right? Yeah. yeah. 
that this is a full decade before that. That yeah. didn't yeah, so come actually, out till late seventies. Yeah, this came. This was like invented in nineteen. The the brown box version was invented in nineteen sixty eight, and this came out in nineteen seventy two. I believe, like when they was like ready to be commercially available and everything, and like. Right after this came out, Atari's like, cool, see what you're doing there, love that, and then like use their idea to invent Pong based on their tennis game, and they sued them and won that lawsuit, wow. uh, that that was like a ripoff of them, basically. Um, but they they structured the lawsuit that they, like Atari could still like exist as a company and keep going. They just like had to give up this game that they had copied, basically. That's crazy. I, I do have a question, and I yeah. think I know how this is. I think I know the answer to this. It didn't matter what size screen you had because you, well, I guess it would for one reason, size wise, like if it's going to scale all the way out and your the screens that were, that came with it were this size and your TV was this size, then it wouldn't go all the way to the edge. So that's, that's problematic, but they would stick to the TV probably just from the static, right? Were they like static? <laughs> like were they, no, like truly, like were they static yeah. clings? Like if you were to put like a oh know, oh the those those cellophane things, yeah. Okay, yeah. I, um, that's a good question. It said that like it's playable on all TVs, so yeah, like you said, like I guess I don't know if it's stretched or anything, or maybe like TVs were more uniform size back then. Um, that is a great question that I don't know the answer to. It does seem like they all existed between nineteen and twenty four inches, uh, okay. so it seems like all TVs were kind of in that range. Oh, compatible with 12 screens is what it says. Simulate the slap shot action of a real hockey game. It has two five-foot cords, (laughs) six C battery cells, C cell batteries. Oh, it comes with a, they're 15, uh, wait, what's the, what's the qualifier? Oh, that's the the 15-foot cord. I see. I see. There's the batteries. And then it says... The weight is 12 pounds. Um, where does it say that it comes? It says it hooks on, it says it hooks on, hooks on any 12 or 18 to 25 inch diagonal. Where does it, it say, on. where do you see that at? It's in the, uh, the second sentence. Odyssey, it does. Up to so if it's 18 to 25, and like I said, most TVs look like we're 19 to, 19 to 24. So that's great. Yeah. And then it came with 12 screens you would put on there i just wonder like it honestly sounds like to me you just two people controlled balls on a screen yes. yeah you were Dots. given the overlay Dots. and then the game you just had to invent in your head You're like, <laughs> yeah you, had you, had to decide. yeah you still have to use your own there's and definitely a, a little of, dash of imagination involved yeah. in and this. a piece of scratch paper <laughs> to keep track of the score i would still love this so much i would still play this for hours i get it it makes sense yeah, I think it's pretty cool. And then I, I forgot to mention, too, like I said, like you couldn't keep score within the actual game, so you had to like keep score on your own. Yeah. But they also provided you with like, you know, like a notepad and dice and other things you would need to like complete other games Whoa. in it. So you kind of got like, you know, board game set up in addition to your you video game. Um, imagine the fights of like someone saying, oh, I just scored that. No, you didn't. I mean, you oh, can't yes. play it. The game didn't trigger it. I bet someone died over this. <laughs> there's no way to know yeah but, but yeah that, that is good. this is the story of the uh magnavox odyssey a very I, weird I, old video game i love it that was a <laughs> that was a great category lauren way to go thank you thank you all right i'll take it um i i got 1960s television and here's here's what i'm going to talk about i'm going to talk about what um and don't look this up uh not because it's not not because it's not true i just don't want you to don't want you to get a, get ahead of me. Um, 
I'm going to talk about what IMDb has ranked as the number one television show in the 1960s. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, and that show is a show that still carries on in some fashion today, which led me down this trail to think about other shows that may still, that may have a lineage that dates back to the sixties or even beyond that. Um, and, uh, and see what, what, how many of those shows you think exist? How many of those shows after doing some research, I have a, I have a pretty good guess. Um, how many of those shows, TV shows exist that have carried on either into films or into written things or whatever? How many of those shows do you think are still represented franchise wise from the, that have been around from the night since the 1960s? If are you, you had giving guess. us a starting number or we're just going to guess? I'm just asking if you can think of any, like off the bat. Like TV shows that have been around since the 60s that are still popular. That are still like represented, still- that are still in the zeitgeist, like that are still franchised, like things are still coming out about them. Can they start animated or does it have to be live? Yeah, can, yeah anything. Yeah, anything. I, I just don't know dates for stuff. I mean, I imagine that, like, for all I know, Pink Panther or I, I imagine this stuff still exists, but I, I don't. There are none uh, that I no, know concrete is- dates. There is no new iteration of Pink Panther, but it's like, like that, a you're in tunes from the '60s. Uh, yeah, I'm sure that's 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 one of them. That didn't pop up as like a, a mainstream television show, um, but yeah, I'm sure that's one of them. I mean, Pink Panther, we would have gotten a film in the last decade. Sure. Um, uh, Scooby Doo. Last decade? No, no, it was in the first the first decade of the. Yeah, the I think so. that's been a, a while. Not the straight to DVD Pink Panther. Uh, oh, okay. Y'all got a sharp at yeah, sharp. That's the same <laughs> website you found the sex lube on. Yeah, <laughs> that's, a, that's a different Pink Panther, Patrick. Maybe go check. Go check the. Uh, <laughs> Y'all gotta check the the dollar DVD bin. Y'all are missing out on some great films. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, like Sex Lube, Panther. the film. What about? Okay, go ahead. Sorry. I was just going to say, rather than you having you guys guess aimlessly, how about I give you the one I'm talking about and I'm going to give yeah, you some history? That is much easier. Then, just start there. <laughs> Gosh. I thought you guys would have a. Oh, you're yeah. surprised that me, who was born in 1987, doesn't know f- films and TV from you're the, the, you're the You're the master of TV and film. That's 60s. <laughs> I don't know. Okay, it's fine. Uh, the TV show that I'm talking one TV show ranked by IMDb for the 1960s is The Adams Family. Oh, not the yeah. Sh- Adams Wednesday Family. just came out this past week on Netflix. Yeah. I know. Can you can you imagine? The see, I knew that, that I because that's modern. Oh, I see. Wow. Um, so I did a little digging into what the Adams Family, like the the history of the Adams Family, and uh, the Adams Family actually started in 1938 in the New Yorker. As a comic strip, actually, as a oh. single panel comic, much like how you would see, like with like the um, <laughs> like it's probably like a, yeah, it was like a really messed up family circus. <laughs> yeah, and it was it was created by Charles Adams, and so this was his his family, like this was his interpretation of his own of his own kooky, spooky, whatever you know, the Adams family, that whole song, um, and uh, and so it, it lived. Uh, he had over like 80 some versions of it or 58 of them um, of, of his comic strips would feature the Adams family between the 19 uh, late, late 1930s through the early 1950s. Um, and uh, then in 19, 
what was it? 1968. I had it in front of me until I just 1964. Um, they turned it into the original television show, live action television show um, to much acclaim. Uh, and then that ran through the seventies, um, various different, uh, different seasons and episodes of that show ran through the 1970s, uh, mid 1970s. Then in the eighties, the we picked up another comic strip. It got picked up again. And then in the nineties, we have the movies that you guys, uh, grew up with, mm-hmm. right? Like that we all, yeah. we all grew up with. Um, and that got us all the way to 2010, um, like just at the just on the the very cusp of that decade of the 2000s, um, where we got the first um, kind of uh, what what do you call it? Like the uh, adaptation, the the live adaptation on Broadway. When it went to Broadway, it actually uh, got nominated for two different Tony Awards. And this is now what? How many years after its inception? Fifty years? Sixty years after the, this yeah. franchise I didn't and this know family it was a musical. Yeah, it was amazing. I actually saw it when it was touring um, through Ohio. It was pretty good. Mm. Um, ironically, side note, ironically, the the night that we went and saw it, a bat got loose in the, Ooh. like, and, and we thought it was all themed. It wasn't. The actors were not, resp- like, the actors started responding to the bat like actors, not like characters, because <laughs> this bat was moving in and out of scenes, um, which was pretty ironic. Um, but, uh, so yeah, so, so in the, the two, the, the late two thousands, um, we had the live action, uh, version and then, uh, 2019, it was rebooted as a, the Adams family as an animated film. And then again, in 2021, we had the, the sequel and now 2022, just last week, um, or two weeks ago, the Adams family is back in front of everybody with the new TV show on Netflix Wednesday, which I watched the first two episodes of um today and actually like it a lot it kind of feels like yeah, a I heard it was good it kind of feels like what i would think a better version of riverdale would be my brother <laughs> said it's literally a better version of sabrina which yeah, is like the, the witchy version yes. of riverdale yeah yes yeah mm-hmm. yeah yeah so um that is what it feels like and it feels mm-hmm. like there's a little bit of hogwarts kind of mixed into it they mm-hmm. have these the uh you know it's not a school for witchcraft and wizardry but there's there's sirens, there's werewolves, there's vampires, and there's another group. Whatever group. Wednesday is. <laughs> yeah, there's there's four kind of cliques, um, and I can't remember what all of them are. There's, there's, a, there's a fourth one. But anyway. Um, yeah, like white so girls? Anyway, just, what? White girls? White, <laughs> and white girls. Yes, okay. and white girls. That's what it was. Um, but it just got me thinking as I was thinking about that, like how – this thing has has stood the test of time. This thing is now an 80-year-old almost, 70, 75-year-old um, franchise. Not a lot of franchises can carry that kind of – and there has literally been something released every decade. Not yeah. just like it came out in the 60s and then it went away for 40 years and then and then we just rebooted it. There's There are several reboots, right, that we can kind of point back to. Um, but this thing has literally carried its own – in the pop culture zeitgeist for the, the better part of the last yeah. 70 years. And not a lot of things can actually say that. So now with that mentality, with that kind of idea going on your head, can you think of any other things that might fit that bill? Because there were some of them that once I understood that as I was going through, okay. I'm like, oh, yeah, that's one. Scooby-Doo. 
Scooby-Doo. That's a great one. Yep. That's a great I one. I know two that don't fit that bill, but almost fit that bill. Go for it. The Munsters. Yes, I have that on ah. my honorary. I have that on my honorary mentions because list. we just got a film. Another one I looked up while you were talking because I thought it came out in the '60s. Um, the the TV show Get Smart came out in the mid '60s, it and did. we got the uh, oh. Steve Carell movie Get Smart. Um, yeah. Now that we just that was in like '08, so it's been a little. But bit, wait, wait, but. wait! Within within that train of thought, James Bond is probably one that's been around that long because the books were written when. Probably you would yeah, have probably. to Google it, but uh, <laughs> that's a but good guess. I think James the, Bond is a good guess. But specifically, these are things that started in the '60s and then yeah. But I'm saying, when did the, the original books yeah. get written? Oh, know? I don't know. I don't. Who? What's James Bond? What, what is a James Bond? Um, I'm looking it up so, now. So let me give you let me give you a, a short list. Oh, the it, '50s. It, it, it is a short list. It, this is not a this is not a long list. Um, the Adams Family, uh, Scooby Doo. Spider-Man began oh, yes. as a cartoon. Come on, chat. Where um, were you on that one? Uh, back in the 60s. Obviously, there it was drawn prior to that. Um, but so uh, the show came out. And they're still, they still have a show on, on Disney, whatever, Disney Junior or whatever. They still have that, that TV show, mm-hmm. uh, plus all the other animated stuff, obviously, plus the movies. Um, uh, Doctor Who... Oh, Doctor Who is yeah, one that has been yeah. on um, many, That's, many, many decades. And then this one, uh, Star Trek. Never heard of it. <laughs> Star Trek, still around, still making TV shows, still making movies. I'm, I can't um, believe I didn't get Doctor Who. <laughs> I, that's why I kind of thought you guys would. Yeah, uh, I'm glad I got but, well, at least one of them. Uh, it's, it's, a, it's, a pretty, it's a pretty interesting thing to... So I, I always think about that in terms of like the Ninja Turtles, right? Because the Ninja Turtles came out the year I was born. So they've been, they've been out for 38 years. Um, and, and I always think about that as like, oh, wow, that's like not a lot of things from when I, were, when I, from when I was born have stayed true all the way for, different, for all the different generations that are coming in between me too, right? Um, some things have come back. Obviously, we have this new wave of things that are coming back from the late 80s and the early 90s. That's, that's a new trend. So we're seeing some reboots and some some reviving of things right now. But the Ninja Turtles have stayed. There's always been something Ninja Turtles for somebody yeah. in the entire 38 year run. Um, and I didn't think about things that could span beyond that. Another another um, honorary mention was um, Supermarket Sweeps was a TV ah, show back yeah, in the 1960s. And what four years ago, five years ago, we got the show. Four years ago? No, no, it's new, brand new. Like only a year ago. Uh, No, no, it's longer than a year ago. It might be two years ago, but yes, we had the reboot with uh, What's-Her-Face from Uh, SNL. The issue is it's so hard to know what's pre-COVID, post-COVID, because that's that's at this point like a three-year swing. And in my mind, I was trying to remember, is Supermarket Sweep pre-COVID or post-COVID? I mean, it would have been filmed pre-COVID. Definitely in the thick of COVID. So from that standpoint, it might be a three- or four-year-old show. I just I just thought that it was interesting that there's there are there are some of these things and and the content like the Adams family is such a yeah. unique thing to be carried through and and I I wonder why that's the case I wonder if it's just because everybody's family is a little bit screwed up and so the idea that there's this like ultra weird family people can relate to that and it makes them feel maybe better about their situation <laughs> um, but like 
what is it uniquely about well, the I Adams think family that kept people coming back? Like the Brady think, Bunch didn't last that yeah. long. Uh, Leave it to Beaver didn't last. Like things about wholesome family values, those didn't last. But, but the I Adams think family. That's the, the twist is that like the Adams family actually are a very wholesome family. They really care about each other, but they're just like into weird gothic shit and like who knows, you know what I mean? Like they actually are like the message behind them is like pretty nice. You know, like they're not evil. They're, they're good. They just look weird. Like a lot of it is like, you know, (laughs) I think it's like the idea of that you have that hook of like, it's something interesting on top of the family values, you know, like it's fun to play with where it's like, Oh, they're monster people. No, no. I, I actually, I think genuine argument is is more than that. It's about acceptance. It's that my family loves me and accepts me regardless of the way I act, my quirks, etc. As opposed to the family I maybe have, which is trying to like beat into me. Of, this is a little a, a, a glimpse into my childhood. <laughs> Just kidding. Uh, like a, spe- <laughs> a specific set of like values or look or morality or 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 um or no, even like no. masculinity or whatever it is <laughs> just this idea that i can be this fool individual and there's not a question asked and that's very yeah. powerful yeah it's and the the new wednesday show feels very much like it's in that vein it's it's uh i like it i like the yeah. modern take on on all of that stuff uh <laughs> when i was talking to becca about it she's not going to like that i'm sharing the story but it's funny when I was talking to Becca about it, I said, um, I said something about the Adams family, and she was like, "I don't know anything about the Adams family." I was like, "Okay," I said, you, I'm, "Yes, you do." Who's one? Of, like, who's the who's the dad? And she goes, "Herman Munster." <laughs> <laughs> Before I said anything, she said, "Wait, he's from the Munsters, isn't he?" I'm like, and yes. then you went, "You're right. You don't know anything about the Adams family." I'm sorry for questioning you. <laughs> I bet if you went, da, 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 she knew to snap. <laughs> like. Yeah. Um, so anyway, I just, I thought that was a fun, I'm pretty a sure fun journey. As like a tit for tat. <laughs> I think, uh, McKenzie called, uh, was mentioned Burt Simpson one time. <laughs> <laughs> I'm excited for her to hear that joke in three seconds. He's like <laughs> Bart or maybe Bert and Ernie's cousin. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yes, but I only remember uh, cousin cousin it who puts a light bulb in his mouth, right? I love no cousin it is yeah. the hairy guy. Is- Fester's the one. Oh, with Fester, the light bulb. Fester's Fester. light, the light bulb. Then you have the hand, and then you have the hairy guy. I loved uh, the movie. Like as a kid, I watched that movie yeah. so many times. The movie where, where uh, who's Fester? It's a uh, Christopher Lloyd. He's Christopher great. Lloyd, yeah. yeah, yeah. And they go and like completely like destroy that summer camp, and like are they setting things on fire? Part. And like <laughs> I, I watched it a couple of years ago, and there are some nods was, to it. Wow, so that's, funny. It's com- so destructive and terrifying. And the other piece of it was like. The the uh, practical effects didn't hold up very well from when it was originally no, filmed. But no. as a kid, I loved that so the, much. The uh, there are some nods to the Thanksgiving scene um, from the camp and all that stuff with the pilgrims. There are some nods to that in that the second the episode of scenes. Wednesday. So yes. just just if you if you enjoyed that, there are some nods, and I imagine there will be more like homages to the original movies or to the original shows or whatever, as we go along uh, the new, the new show, the, the new Wednesday show actually favors more from artistic artistically favors more the comic strip c- version of Gomez, as opposed to the original actor who portrayed Gomez in the original movie in the original yeah. TV show. And then, and then subsequently in the movies as well. Um, the, 
the TV and movie versions of him up till now have been very kind of suave, um, fit, suave, very dapper, put together. The original comic strip, he's very kind of squashed and stout and bigger and, you know, um, buck toothy almost, like very funny looking. Uh, yeah. they, they, they play into that more um, into in, in the Wednesday uh, series. So anyway, the Adams family, 1960s all the way to today. What else can uh, I mean? What can you say? They 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 know what they're doing. I guess. Keep it up, guys. <laughs> um, all right, Patrick. I think we're going to end this episode before we jump into yours because you're going to be bringing some trivia. Is that true? That's right. So in uh, anticipation of next week's uh, Masters trivia. By the way, if you haven't signed up, uh, I think there's what do we say? There's six slots available as of record. Okay, or six spots. Yeah, slits. I don't whatever word you want to use, but the thing is, they're available. Um, so make sure you go to our Slack. I think we may have uh, dropped this on Instagram and other places. Find that uh, link to uh, the Google Drive. This will also be in show notes. Jump in there, enter your uh, name and your Slack handle under the team you want to be a part of. So I think one of the teams is full. Two of the teams only have one spot left, and uh, two of the teams have two spots left. Uh, when it's full, it's full. And the uh, way it's going to work, it's uh, five teams. It's, each team is going to be led by one of the hosts on the M of One Network, uh, and then there'll be four of our listeners on each team. Those teams will be uh, communicating uh, during the actual trivia. They'll be playing together, uh, and uh, whoever the winner is, uh, all those people are going to get Christmas gifts from the Masters. Uh, So it's going to be an awesome thing uh, you want to win. So that's what's coming up. We're going to do some trivia now. If you're watching, if you're listening to the podcast, this is where we say goodbye. Uh, and if you want to be a part of this in the future, make sure you go to twitch.tv slash m of one podcast or youtube.com slash m of one podcast and uh, participate with the show live Mondays, 7 p.m. Central, uh, 8 p.m. Eastern. You did great. That sounds fantastic. Yeah. Thank you. All right. One thing, real quick they were going to burn that girl at the stake in the film. Literally, like burning a child alive. It was insane watching it. As an adult, That's why as 90s a, films were As great. a kid, I was just like, burn her. Burn her. She's <laughs> as, awful. <laughs> and as an adult, it's like, whoa, hold on, hold on, hold on. Uh, anyway, okay. Uh, so we're going to sign off of this episode for now, though. Uh, um, one more quick reminder. Tomorrow, we're going to be recording this first half of the Two Towers episode of Cultural Osmosis. So join us tomorrow to find out all the things Andrew knows before he has seen Two Towers. And that was yesterday, if you're listening to this on record. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so we need um, to say it for everyone listening now. <laughs> yes. Um, yeah, so yeah, we, we would have just recorded that, and uh, I can't wait because I know, I know literally nothing, I think, going into this one. So it should, yes. be, should be a fun one. And, and um, we will have the first full episode uh, in audio format out soon. Uh, we finished that now, so just a matter of time. Yeah, and keep your eyes peeled for the next uh, week or so. We will do a Glass Onion uh, debrief mm-hmm. and conversation because there is a lot to talk about. So uh, we will we'll drop that as well. So just keep your eyes peeled on the socials. Uh, you can find all those at M of One Podcast on all the different platforms. You can find me at Andrew Sale with threes instead of E's. Lauren? I'm at Not Cool Co. everywhere. And I'm at... 
the ugly one. <laughs> wow, I haven't had strong bad references in a, in a bit. I'm glad that you brought that back. We're going to get out of this episode. I'm Andrew. I'm Lauren. I'm Patrick. See you next week at Trivia. The cheat is out. We don't roll dice anymore. Yeah.